0: Hey, if no one's told you yet, welcome to First Wednesday. Come on, man. This is one of my favorite times every month. We get to press in and have some more time with the Lord. You know, if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Ben Warwick. I'm the campus pastor here uh, at a broadcast campus. And, um, you know, I just want to say, first of all, it's always an honor to be in this pulpit. And we, I get to serve under just an incredible set of lead pastors, uh, J.C. and Kimberly Worley. What an honor it is to be here. And I am super shocked that you trust me to do this. So uh, I, I, love, I love to preach the word of God, believe it. And then Bishop Alan Matura, can we give it up for the man, the myth, the legend? You know, you joke a lot about being shorter than me, which is evident. But in my eyes, sir, you are a giant. And in the kingdom, you are a giant. And we honor you today. Thank you for all you've done for this house I'm ready for the word. Are you ready? Come on. I'm an interactive preacher. You better wind up and get it ready to go. So, 1 Samuel chapter 17, as you turn there, I'm going to explain to you what's happening. 1 Samuel chapter, uh, uh, chapter 17, super familiar story. It's David and Goliath. Happens to be one of my absolute favorite passages in all of Scripture. For a lot of reasons, you can preach this thing like 1,500 different ways. It's so good. I, just, I love the Bible because no matter how many times you read it, it just keeps giving life. Can I get an amen from somebody in here? So we're going to pick up in verse 20. Goliath has already stood out in front of all of the nation of Israel, and he's chastising them, and he's blaspheming God, and he's calling them out. And they're supposed to send their champion to fight Goliath, and David rolls up. Right here, we're going to pick up in verse 20. It says, So David arose early in the morning and left the flock with the keeper and took supplies. And as he went, Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp of the army, was going out in the battle array, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in a battle array, army against army. So they're on side against side. And David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath, named Goliath, was coming out from the army of Philistines, and he spoke these same words, and David heard them. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, have you seen the man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel, and it will be the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and give him a daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. So that was a pretty sweet deal. if. The king put a deal out. If you'd fight this guy, he'd not only give you his princess daughter's hand in marriage, he'd give you tons of money, and then you would never have to pay taxes for the rest of your life. How many of you would love to never have to pay taxes the rest of your life? Come on. Lord, give me some COVID relief with that one. Verse uh, 26 says, Then David spoke to the men who were standing by them, saying, What will be done to this man who kills this Philistine and takes away the, the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should taunt the armies of the living God? The people answered him according to this word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Check this out. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence, your wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. That's just like an older brother who's always a straight bully. But David said, what have I done to you? Was it not, was it not just a question? Then he turned away to him another and said the same thing, and the people answered the same thing as before. I want to preach on this thought tonight, expecting the unexpected expecting the unexpected. How about I pray for you, you pray for me. Does that sound good tonight? Does that sound good tonight? All right, good. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, every ear in this house, open it to your word. Every heart, Lord, uh, open it to your word. Every heart that may be hardened, Lord, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would soften it tonight. And Lord, that you'd remind us that you've not left us this whole time. And Lord, you're with us this whole time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 If 2020 has shown you one thing, is that 2020 is the definition of unpredictable. Like literally... The wildest things have happened this year. You know, I loved how at the beginning of every year, every every pastor you saw on TV was like, 2020 is going to be your year. It's a year of vision. It's a year of perfect clarity. I don't know about you, but I've never been more confused than today, right now. I don't know if it's the identical twins that are keeping me up all night or if it's just 2020. I don't know what it is, but I've never been more confused than probably this moment in history. Let me just read you a couple things that have happened so far in 2020. Obviously, a pandemic. You can't eat inside, eat inside most restaurants. Everything moved to delivery. There was no March madness. That one hurt my soul. I love basketball. We had a sandstorm in Georgia. I want to repeat that. There was a sandstorm that came across Georgia. We've had three hurricanes, an earthquake in North Carolina. Civil rights icons have passed away, and the churches moved online. Those are just a handful of things that happened in just these first 10 months of 2020. 2020, I don't know about you, has been super, super challenging. And 2020 has presented a lot of change, and change is a word that nobody likes to hear, right? Change causes you to move and to adjust, and we find ourselves ill-prepared, I think, for the onslaught of 2020, the onslaught of changes that has happened in our life and in our culture. And maybe you're in here, and 2020 has not only brought change, but it's brought anxiety, it's brought difficulty, It's brought depression. It's brought sadness. Maybe 2020 for you has been heavier than most. I think 2020 has caused most Americans to wonder what is going to be next. Like, we don't even know. And throw an election in there on top of that. You know, I feel like the Lord is just stacking the deck right now. And so I'm here to tell you that in spite all that change, in spite the depression you may be fighting, in spite the challenges that may come up, God has never not been in control at any point in time. That none of this has shocked God, none of your situation has scared him, surprised him, or moved him to run in fear. God is still God, he's still on the throne, he's still in control. The question is, can you trust the one who's still in control? Or do you have control? Do you want control? So I'm going to give you three truths about the unexpected, okay? Three truths. Write this down. First one, hey, surprises, they're going to happen. Surprises are going to happen. For a lot of the type A planners in the room, the word surprise should be a cuss word. Like it's like, please do not bring abrupt change in my life. It's got to be here, here, here. We're, we're, if we're going to start at 7, we're going to start at 7, not 701 and not 659. It's got to be right there along that line. Anybody like you like, it has to be in a specific order. A couple of you are honest and brave enough to admit you have a problem. Thank you. But change, man, change, a disruption in our life, a surprise, that for some is, spells disaster. But what I love about David, and if you look back at the story, is David, he had one original purpose, okay? He had one job. His dad said, bring the bread, know, bring the cheese, make a grilled cheese, bring it to your brothers, drop it off with them, and check in on how they're doing to come home back. And so David gets there and all of a sudden he sees that there's something terribly wrong with the battle. Apparently these guys have been standing face to face for 40 days and no one's done a thing. And David is curious about what happened. David did not know that in that moment when he dropped the bread and cheese off, he didn't just drop the bread and cheese off, but when he turned to walk towards the battlefield, he walked into his destiny and the plan that God has for his life. And many of us, we don't respond like David though, right? We walk up into a surprise scene. We walk up into uh, the unexpected change in our life, or maybe it's an unexpected illness or an unexpected job loss. We walk into that change, and we respond a lot like another Old Testament character named Jeremiah. Jeremiah responds to God's calling, this, this supernatural encounter with God a certain way, a little bit different. And you've heard this verse in Jeremiah 1-5 quoted over and over again, but I want to read a few verses, so turn with me to Jeremiah. It's a few books over jeremiah chapter 1 i want to read verses 4 through 12 said now the word of the lord came to me this is jeremiah speaking before i formed you in the womb i knew you and before you were born i consecrated you and i have appointed you a prophet to the nations i can't tell you how many times i've talked to students and talked to young leaders and said hey god before you were in your mother's womb the lord knew you but check this out look at look at jeremiah's response Then he said, alas, Lord, God, behold, I don't even know how to speak, and man, I am young. He instantly gives God an excuse on why he cannot accept this unexpected call, this unexpected command, this unexpected holy anointing that God's trying to put on his life to bless him. Verse 7 says, but the Lord said to me, don't say I am youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and I will command you, and you will speak. Don't be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand, touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well. Listen to this right here. For I am watching over my word to perform it. Jeremiah gets a surprise call from God. God puts a word in his life. Jeremiah tries to talk God out of it, and God talks him back in and says, I am here to see the word I preached over your life and spoke over your life fulfilled. I promise you, I'm with you this whole time. What you expect to be unexpected is something I saw coming this whole time. What you're facing, it's not going to take God by surprise. And the fact that you're in it tells me that God's already equipping you to fight this battle, to face this journey, to face this unexpected moment and to handle it. But many times we look at surprises in our life as interruptions and distractions to our calling and our purpose. That that somehow what we're dealing with had nothing to do with anything that I asked God for, right? has nothing to do with what I asked you for, Lord. I asked you for an easy path. I asked you for a really great promotion, but yet now I got a demotion. I'm I'm getting moved to another company, but I asked you for a promotion. What is this? What is this? And so we feel let down. We feel let down. And hear me, if God's ever let you down, it's not been, it's really been because he didn't do what you wanted, not what you needed. I want you to just let that sink in. If, you, if, you're, if you're upset with God because he let you down, chances are he just didn't do what you commanded him to do. But he did what you needed to receive. Just because it didn't go the way you expected it to go, doesn't mean he did the wrong thing. You see, a surprise step in your journey, a surprise moment in your life is just a step on the journey God already aligned with you and planned for you. So the first thing is surprises are going to happen The second thing is this, the authority is yours. The authority is yours. I want you to say these words with me. I have, come on, say it with your chest, come on. I have the authority. I have the authority. The Bible talks about declaring in your life, declaring the word of God over your life, declaring the word of God over your children, praying prayers of declaration. And if you're at first Saturday prayer, which I encourage you to jump in on because they're powerful and they're good, I taught on on four prayers of declaration. There are weapons, four weapons, and I want you to write these down. The first one is this the word of God. You declare the word of God over your life. That's the first prayer of declaration, which means if you're gonna declare the word of God over your life, you have to know the word of God over your life, more than the verses that I read to you on a Wednesday night, or what Pastor J C drops on a slide on a Sunday morning. You've got to be in the Word during the week. Can I get an Amen? If you're, going to, if you're going to declare the word of God over your life, you have to know the word of God. The second prayer of declaration is the will of God. That one's a little bit tough because that means you have to pray and ask God to do his will in your life and not what you want. Now, sometimes the two align with each other and that's fantastic, but sometimes God will call you to do something you didn't want to do, like pay for that person in the line behind you in Starbucks when you only had $5 left in your pocket and it looks like a minivan and you're unsure how many coffees they're going to order. The third prayer of declaration is the blood of Jesus. You had the power in the blood. There is power, in the cleansing power in the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And we just took communion and that juice represented the blood that Jesus shed for you and for me. Because we could not have a second chance at life if Jesus did not give his life for you and for me. And then the fourth prayer is the prayer I want to preach on and want to talk on tonight. And that's this, the name of Jesus. You pray the name of Jesus you know, I had the honor of preaching at a Jamaican church in the Bronx. And let me tell you something, if you can't preach in a Jamaican church in the Bronx, you can't preach, okay? Like they will gas you up and you will feel like a champion and you probably preach the worst message you ever preached. But I remember going, uh, I am a type of person that arrives early always. Got to be there early. I arrived early and uh, I did not know in Jamaican culture that early is is on time and Early is too early. And so I arrived, in, and there was only one set of people in the room. And it was the usher team. And if you've ever been to a Jamaican church, I mean, they had white gloves. I mean, she was pressed. It was a youth conference, but this, this church mother was pressed, ready to go. Hat, whole nine yards, white gloves. I walked in the back door, and she said, Sir, stop. And I said, "Hi, I'm, you know, Hi, I'm here. Early. <laughs> And I was like, I, I'm just going to find a place to sit. She said, sir, parents and adults are sitting on the back road tonight. And I said, okay, um, actually, I think I'm supposed to. She said, sir, parents and adults sit. On the, and they had every other row blocked off, so it wasn't like I could sneak around here and just cross over the cord. And I was like, you know, my name is, is, is Pastor Ben, and I'm speaking. And, and I didn't even get I'm speaking out, but she said, sir, this is not up for discussion. You need to sit right here, please. Thank you. White glove and all, and, and at that point in time, you're like, "Yes, ma'am, I will, I will do that right now." So the room, the room begins to fill up, worship begins to start. She's standing guard by me because I think she thinks I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a run for the front, like I'm going to break loose, I'm going to break the rules. So she's standing on guard, white glove and all, and I see her out the corner of her eye just watching. And all of a sudden, the uh, state youth director for New York comes in and he walks in and he goes, "Pastor Ben." what are you doing back here? And I was like, well, you know, looking at the woman, like, well, I was not allowed to go to the front, which would make sense. And you could tell, he said, who put you back here? And she was like, not me, that's for sure. <laughs> Look, I didn't know he was the pastor. Come on, you know. You see, I shared my name, but my name meant nothing. She knew nothing about the things that I had did or even the purpose that I was in there. But let me tell you what, when you use the name of Jesus, come on, somebody. When you use the name of Jesus, that means you bring to the table a name of a man who, hear this out, has walked on water, He woke up from a nap and called the waves. He waited three days to raise Lazarus to prove a point that he could do it. A man who multiplied lunches, healed the lame, the leprous, the blind, come on. A man whose name is Jehovah. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Prince of Peace. He knew you before you were born, and he snatched your tail up when you were down at the bottom. He's the God who nailed himself to a tree and three days later arose with the keys to cancer, to your life, to the mistakes you made. it all in his hands so when you drop his name come on you don't just drop somebody's name you drop the name that's above every name the name that the bible says in philippians that every knee will bow whether they want to or not come on whether they admitted he was the king or not every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that jesus is the lord of lords i'm here to tell you tonight you need to get into the process of declaring the name of jesus over your life over your situation, over your unexpected, over your unruly children. Let me tell you what, I got a two-year-old, and I say the name of Jesus a lot, a lot. Jesus, Jesus, bless him, Lord, bless him. You gotta say it, but I, I'm afraid we're, we, the big C church, we've raised a church that wants to pray prayers of complacency and petition to God to move, but never wants to declare the power he's already equipped in their heart, come on. Did you know that there's already a weapon to win what you're facing? There's already one wrapped up in your life and in your name. It is the name that is above all names, and you've got it in your pocket, but you haven't used it. Jesus has authority. Why? Because Jesus has victory. And you don't have victory yet, but you got his name. Jesus has given you and I the authority to speak his name, speak his word, and declare the will of God in our lives. What's wild about David is he, he gets all rowdy, right? Like he hears this guy calling out his, his God and he gets all upset and he says, who's going to fight him? I'm going to fight him. I'm going to fight him. And David takes a stand and says, I'm going to beat this dude. But David did not, he, he did not even know what God had prepared for him. David didn't have a weapon. Like, right? He didn't have a sword. He didn't have armor. In fact, they tried to put him in Saul's armor, and it looked like a 10-year-old in a 40-year-old's armor suit. It just didn't look right. It just looked weird. So David, he didn't even know that God had already provided resources in the brook for his victory, that God already went ahead of him and put those, those stones there thousands, hundreds of years before. That rock was sitting there. It didn't have a purpose yet. It didn't know what his plan was, but he got put in the hands of somebody who knew a God who could do anything. And look what the story says. Did you know that a smooth stone, it does not sink, like the Bible says, into a bone and into a skull. A smooth stone, when you skip it, it does what? It bounces, right? But the Bible says he picks up a smooth stone and he drives it into the skull of Goliath. That tells me, That God was just wanting David to release the resources he already provided. Come on. And when David chose to act, God propelled the provision in his life and it did something supernatural. And David achieved the victory for everyone else in his life because he picked up what God already laid down. He needed that to win, he needed to trust God that God had already given him the authority to go down there and to whoop this dude. In fact, he goes down and he looks at Goliath and he says, I don't come at you with the sword and the spear. What does he say? He says, I come at you with the name of the Lord. Again, the name, the name, the name. It's so powerful. It's, it's, it's so odd to me that we're hunting all these different weapons When we forget the power that words have, God spoke this world into existence. He didn't blow it up. He didn't mat it up. He didn't roll it up on a kingpin. he, He literally spoke it into existence. And that tells me that words have power. So in the middle of your situation right now, what are you speaking? What are you saying? Are you complaining about the problem? Or are you reminding the enemy that he's already under your feet? That you already have that power? That there's nothing he can snatch out of your hand? Because he doesn't own you. And he doesn't own the cattle on a thousand hills. But the God that you serve does. Hello. The third point. And Micah, you can kind of wander up here in a little bit if you want. That's up to you. We all know it's not going to, like Bishop says, it's not going to make me in faster. But whatever. The third point is this. The third thing you can expect in the unexpected is this. That God has been preparing you the whole way. That God has been preparing you the whole way. I think there comes a point in time for every believer when you get in a moment in life, maybe it's a situation, um, and you realize, oh, that's why I went through what I went through, yeah. right? Like, like you're, maybe you're stricken with some kind of sickness. The Lord heals you. Years, years, years go by. And you walk by somebody randomly and you're talking with them and they have the same situation that you had. And then you can go, oh, now I know why I went through what I went through. Because this person needs to hear that somewhere there's hope and somewhere there's peace and somewhere there's healing. Amen. I think there comes a point in every crisis. Maybe it's in the middle. Maybe it's at the end. Maybe it's different every time. That you realize that this was a part of God's plan the whole time. That there's never been a moment where you weren't under his covering. There's never been a moment where God didn't see that report coming. And he didn't see the job loss coming. And he didn't see your kids acting the way that they were going to act. There's never been a point in time when God did not see that. And if God saw it coming and God didn't stop it, then that tells me that God has planned to use it. That he has a plan to develop you in this time and in this season. And you read the story, right? And you try to put yourself in David's shoes. You try But that's difficult because if you and I would have dropped a lunchable off and seen how big Goliath was and the things that he was saying and the fact that thousands of other grown men were terrified, we probably would have just turned and walked away. Our actions would probably mirror the actions of the crowd, but God did not call you to mirror the actions of the crowd. He called you to be a person of faith, to stand out like a light, to be set apart, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Christians should respond to crisis different. When the devil rises up, it's our job to remind him he's under our feet. David was surprised, but David, David was not unprepared. You see, he had already killed a bear. And he already killed a lion. And didn't nobody know about that. And right now, right now, I just feel this right now. Right now, somebody, you're facing a Goliath moment. And everyone in your family is doubting that you can beat it. But they're doubting it because they didn't know you killed the bear. And they didn't know you killed the lion in your soul and in your mind at night when you cry yourself to sleep. They didn't know that you've already had victory. But you don't fight for victory. You fight from a place of victory. Write this down. The ability for you to manage your moment is directly tied to your revelation that God already provided for you in it. The ability for you to manage the moment is directly tied to your revelation that God already provided for you in it. God's already provided a way out, right where you are. I don't, might be facing some wild stuff right now. Uh, we birthed two beautiful girls into this world. My wife actually did. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I just stood there. almost passed out. And I did not really have a grasp on how much work two children is. (laughs) And so I began to be sleep deprived and we were in the hospital for weeks, you know, because our kids were in Choa for a while and struggled with a few things, but they're out now, praise the Lord. And in that time, I lost my mom. And I unexpectedly, totally unexpectedly. And I didn't realize just, I just remember looking at the Lord like, what else, man? What else do I have to go through right now? Like, why would you pile this on me? But what I didn't realize is in that moment, I was caught off guard. But in that moment, I was ready. Because I had remembered back to the scriptures that the Lord had put in my heart and the, par- and the prayers that my mom had prayed over me and the prayers that my parents prayed on me. And it's in that moment that I yielded and I leaned on those moments and I celebrated those moments and I leaned on God because I knew I couldn't raise two kids, celebrate my mom's life and work a full-time job if it was not for God's hand. I don't prefer it and I dang sure wouldn't have picked it. But God made me ready for it. Even when the Israelites were in Egypt and they were in bondage, they they went through the plagues. And can you imagine, like we read the Bible from we know what the end is like, but they're experiencing it. Can you imagine what it was like to be an Israelite and, and to see all these plagues happening and wonder what is God trying to do in the middle of this? But the plagues, they were the preparation for the Red Sea right? They'd seen God do some wild things in Egypt, so when they got to the water, it was nothing for Moses to crack that thing off, spread it apart, and then walk across on dry land. And then the Red Sea prepared them to wander the wilderness, to follow a cloud, to receive manna in the middle of the night, and to watch Moses speak to a rock and water come out. Everything you are experiencing right now is a preparation for what's to come. And we have this walk, we have this faith walk, and it's built upon steps we previously took and the way we already walked. It's in that moment of revelation that you understand God was taking you to school and you didn't even realize you were in class this whole time. This whole time you've been in school, you think you're just doing life. But God's been preparing you and speaking to you and teaching you things. If you're facing opposition in here today, I want you to realize something. Opposition is a sign of position. And God has positioned you in a place of authority and of promise in the kingdom. And the enemy knows that. And you are facing what you're facing because the enemy knows that if you can get a hold of your destiny, if you can get a hold of what God wants for you in your life, if you can accept that call that God's put on your life to live that way and to walk that way and to share the good news, then you will achieve things you never dreamed of. And sometimes, I, th- I think you need to be careful to not let the enemy believe more in your future than you do. But we have a lot of people that, that don't believe on the calling that God put on your life, but you're facing attack. You want to know why? Because the enemy knows that you're a dangerous weapon. The enemy knows that God is trying to, trying to do something with your life. you never saw it coming. And you never dreamed would happen. God has never put you in a situation to sabotage you, humiliate you, or obliterate you. God puts you in a situation to stretch you and to grow you to a place you never thought you could go. You know, it takes great faith to make it in this world. People will always have an opinion about the level of faith that you display in these unexpected moments. They'll question why you got that kind of faith. In fact, David's brothers were the same way. Like David comes in and he's like, I'll fight this dude. And then what does the Bible say? They chastise him. They rebuke him and they tell him, go on back to those little sheep that you used to work. Like, get out of here. You're a little boy. This is what men do. And they made fun of him in that moment. But can I tell you what? You never should. You never address shade from trees that bear no fruit. And many of us are listening the shade and the comments of people who've never produced anything in their life and they're not connected to the vine so they will never understand how much faith you really have. God has such a track record in my past and in your past that not having faith in him is more of a delirious notion than having faith that he's gonna show up. Not believing God is gonna intervene is crazier than, (laughs) than believing he's going to show up. God's done enough for me in my past already for me to know that whatever I face in life, can I get anybody that'll testify? Whatever I face in life, I can beat it. I am a warrior. I am an anointed man of God. I have seen, I have been to hell and back. I have seen so many things and I have no doubt I will see more things. But I know that this whole journey, that step by step, day by day, moment by moment, there is a God who's chasing me, who's running with me, who's holding me up when I cannot stand and I will make it. And if I can make it, so can you. So can you. So I want to close just with this thought in the middle of the surprise that you're in are you wanting to back out and run away or do you want to stand and fight would you stand with me today in the middle whatever it is that you're battling with because hear me this room is full of all different kinds of people and we're all experiencing different things right where you are are you going to run like the world would run would you stand in the middle of a difficult situation and trust that God has your hand this whole time? Because I believe that God is not looking for a church full of Jonahs who want to run, but full of Davids who want to fight and who want to put the enemy in the place that he always was meant to be, under your feet. A lot of stuff going on in this world, right? A lot of drama. A lot of division in the house. And the enemy would have you think that all hope is lost in this nation. Or the enemy would have you think if you'll just vote one way, it'll all go out right. But I'm here to tell you that before America ever was, God was. And when America is no more, if it ends up being no more, God will still be here. God will last all of eternity. And forever I intend to stand and worship him. Can I get an amen? With heads bowed and eyes closed and, and no one really looking around. Maybe you're in here and you can say, Pastor Ben, I got some some Goliaths in my life. I got some tough situations I'm facing right now, and I want to run, but I need to be remembered to have courage. Tonight I need help. I need God's hand. I need his touch. If that's you and you're facing a difficult situation, and you just want to be remembered in prayer, I just want you to lift your hand. We'll pray over you right where you are. Thank you, all over the room. Can we all pray this as a prayer of declaration? Can you just pray in your own accord, just thanking God and declaring his word over your life right now? Can we do that as one big concert? Can we do that today? Lord, I declare today that your word would be fulfilled in our life. Come on, just begin to pray to God. Come on, it's good to pray out loud. It'll do good for your soul. Lord, we declare that you are holy, that you are righteous, that everything that is against us, God, you can beat, that you have already won the victory, God. The enemy is in our ear. He's trying to tell us that there is no way out. That we'll never make it. That our kids are too far gone and our marriage is too far down the drain. That our finances have been washed away too much. There is no hope. But I stand here declaring, God, that there is hope in the name of Jesus. The name that's above every name, Lord. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's provision in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that prayer right now. We call on that name today. And God, we cry out to you today that you would intercede. Give us courage. Give us faith. Give us hope. Give us strength today. God, let us lean on you in every step that we take. And Lord, we give you the honor and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.